Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you're listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. Welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for November 25th, 2018. Koyo Kubosa here, so very, very glad you joined us. Well, <clears throat> we're into the winter holiday season. This is the time of year when a lot of people say, well, first you have the Halloween, and then come Thanksgiving, and then Christmas and New Year's, and <clears throat> it's... Uh, Two months, I guess, of festivities. And um, it's hectic, could be stressful. Sometimes they call it U-stress, E-U, you know, meaning good. So kind of like good stress. It's hectic. Any time you get busy doing a lot of different things, okay, sometimes... There's a little bit of mixture of where the stress goes over a line and you figure, oh, this, you know. And so maybe some people, they don't like to get all involved in uh, distant relatives, cousins and nephews and things like that because they want to avoid that, you know. There's what you might call trade-offs, um, but sort of related to that, I was thinking about um, – the difference between doing and reflecting. Sometimes if you're <clears throat> trying to do both at the same time, you're, in, you're enjoying something and you're saying, hey, I, I like this. This is great. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> or whatever you're doing, you know, if you're thinking about what you're doing, you now what about this? Well, before and after you do something, maybe before, you know, you're thinking about what you're going to do, you're planning, okay? And afterwards, maybe you're kind of assessing or evaluating what happened, what you did, okay? But while you're doing it, my father always used to say, you know, you do it 100%. Don't mix it up with the before and after, the planning and the, and the evaluation and assessment and reflection afterwards. 
So in this case, in this sense, sometimes we say, oh, so many things that we take for granted. I think taking for granted is okay, okay? Uh, because if you always want to be aware of what you're doing and assessing it, well, I don't, that's not doing it 100%, okay? How can you be doing something and then at the same time comparing in the shoulds and the self-consciousness about it? Later on, reflect on it, okay? I think there's um, what might be called a pause. And I realized this once when I gave up one of our lay ministers a Dharma name of the pausing son, you know. Uh, <clears throat> that pause can be an important part of uh, one's spiritual practice, <laughs> daily practice, get in the habit of pausing now and then. Huh? Um, oh, I like to title it the backward glance. <laughs> I have to tell you a little bit about this. <clears throat> when my brother died, uh, uh, we were all in the his hospital room, and and then uh, my my niece, who was his his oldest child, uh, and uh, she told me a story that when they were real young and she was maybe about four or five years old and they were uh, playing around at home and she was in the the trunk of their car with the uh, trunk lid almost closed but she could look out through the crack see and I guess they were just fooling around and he was walking his, her father was walking away and then he took a backward glance to see if, you know, she was okay, even though they're kidding around, but she was in the trunk of the car looking through a crack there. And she remembers that backward glance that he was checking to make sure she was okay. And then moments after he died in the hospital room, we called the funeral home and they came and take him away and the family, immediate family was out in the hall, came out of the the room and then they were wheeling, the funeral homes uh, were wheeling him away and I remember she took a backward glance, the last look at her father, you know, um, I thought that was a very uh, poignant story, backward glance. It stood out to me somehow. So maybe we should do this done in a lot of different contexts or ways or implications or associations, whatever you want to call it. But we should take a backward glance at our life. Hmm? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> you know? Uh, you could see where a backward glance might take place when, especially when people are older, they're looking back on life or they're, <laughs> you know, looking at memories. But more than that, looking at, uh, this is when you find your gratitude or, you know, um, in, 
a kind of awareness of your what of your life. Okay. See, awareness provides a context. You don't have to be self-aware or self-conscious while you're doing something. You're just letting go, and you're just in the moment doing. But it's very important to introspect, self-reflect on one's life. I think it was Freud. I don't know why it was Freud, but that said the unexamined life is not worth living. (laughs) I don't know about that statement, but meaning that we should reflect, you know, pause to reflect on things, things that we're grateful for, things that we want to make changes for, things like this. And uh, to take that pause and take a backward glance. You say, hey, am I living? Do I have my priorities right? No. Um, Do I have any regrets about how I live my life in general, you know, in the the big picture of things? Taking different perspectives uh, through a backward glance. Yeah, this is, you know, this is your life. (laughs) And utilizing that backward glance as a spiritual tool, not as a way to pat yourself on the back, not as a way to uh, whip yourself, that kind of way, but just the awareness of what was so that you could put your life in a context. Not necessarily a positive or negative one, although we're certainly tempted to do that. Uh-huh. So if you really think about it, you say, "Oh, I got some regrets. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm going to sugarcoat or, or, or make, you know, uh, make it like a eulogy where you praise somebody a lot, okay? Their, their life, okay? Not, not so much that, but just awareness." I think not. Do you think the word awareness has some kind of a positive or negative implications? I don't. I, I don't think so. Huh? But somehow that's a crucial to the feeling of our, the direction of our lives, the way we live our lives, the priorities. So that's what I was thinking about. You know, especially at the end of the year, maybe we tend automatically to have take a backward glance at the past year, and, and that spills over into one's life. Well, well, well. Let's go to our Dharma glimpse. Our guest who's giving us the talk today, Morris Secchio, lives in Florida. He was part of our LM3 group. So, Morris Secchio sensei. I get out of prison Tuesday. Don't be shocked. I get out of prison every Tuesday. I lead a Buddhist service for inmates on Tuesday afternoons at a correctional institution. So, technically, you could also say that I go to prison every Tuesday. However, I find it much more beneficial to pay attention to the fact that I'm free. In Japanese psychology, there's a saying that life is a matter of attention. To put that in another way, how we experience life is influenced much more by how our minds engage with our circumstances than by the circumstances themselves. If you practice meditation or when you say the nimbutsu with sincerity or when you're fully present when you wash the dishes, those are all ways of training your attention. So, every Tuesday, I get out of prison. And I have this little ritual. I pause for a minute just outside the gates and try to really experience my freedom. The true prisons, of course, are in our minds. 
we can be physically free and still be captive to our cravings, our fears, our hatreds. Certainly our circumstances can make it easier or harder to be happy and free, but our lack of attention can keep us from experiencing our well-being and our freedom. It can keep us trapped by our own fetters. I'm free every day, but that moment when I pass through the gates, that's a nice chance to remind myself not to take that freedom for granted. A little shift of attention is sometimes all we need to free ourselves. There's a Catholic church on the other side of the county that I live in that does a couple of interfaith services every year and I always participate in them. One year I was headed over there for one of those services. and The church is in Daytona Beach and I was getting into town just in time for it to start raining. And it was rush hour. And I thought, great, I have to drive across town during rush hour in the rain. At the time, I was doing a Japanese psychology course. That day's assignment was to listen to my internal dialogue. And any time I caught myself saying, I have to, to change that to, I get to. So I caught that thought, and I changed it. I get to drive across town during rush hour in the rain. Somehow that really didn't sound much better. And then I saw someone standing at the rain at a bus stop. Ah, I get to drive. I get to be in my nice, warm, dry car listening to music. And I get to go to this really nice church and be with other religious leaders from other faiths. And I get to talk to people about the Dharma. Instantly, that experience of the moment was transformed. So I told that story at that particular church last year during their interfaith Thanksgiving service. I didn't repeat it at the service this week. I try not to repeat myself too often, so I told some other story this year. But at the dinner following the service, a woman came up, told me she liked what I'd said, and then she said she remembered the story that I told last year, and she'd been working with this idea of changing I have to to I get to. And that had been really helpful to her as she went through a difficult holiday season. So I thought I would share it with you. Hopefully you had a nice Thanksgiving during the holidays, you'll get to spend time doing meaningful things with people who are important in your life. And I hope that this little practice will be useful to you. Thank you for your attention. Yeah, thank you. You know, um, I'm just kind of jotting down notes as I listen. But I was thinking about um, one, when you do something 100%, if you make a decision to do something, you should back your decision 100%, not second-guess your decision. Now, supposing Faust uh, says, take out the garbage. Well, that's your job, sort of, and domestic job. And uh, If you say, oh, I have to take out the garbage, uh, or even I should take out the garbage, Rather than I get to take out the garbage, or I want to take out the garbage, that's a kind of interesting uh, mental exercise, isn't it? Because you do have a choice. You could not take the garbage out. But, of course, you know there's some consequences to our actions. Okay? Uh, you're going to get yelled at later or, you know, <laughs> things like this. So. But can you get behind your decisions 100%? You know, say, hey, I, I make this choice because by doing this, I'm maintaining domestic tranquility. 
Now, it may come to a point where not based upon something as, quote, trivial, unquote, as taking out the garbage, but where you feel you're, if you use kind of an economic model of domestic situations, when is the, you know, uh, two sides of the ledger, you know, payment and debt, <laughs> receipts and debts or whatever you want to call this, okay, um, and you want to, Sometimes the the liabilities become stronger than the than the assets of your actions, okay? And people will will separate. Huh? But this is something interesting to reflect, pause, and reflect upon. The idea of you know I have to, I should versus I get to. Or I want to, you know. Now clearly, there's a difference between uh, when you're doing something where you're just sort of existing, and when you're doing something where you're really living. Uh-huh. But it's not the same kind of dualism I think that we ordinarily see as a split between, you know, good and bad. I want to, you know. I wish that I always had was were able to do only what I wanted to do. Okay. And not have to have to do something that and I do decide to do it, but I'm complaining all the time that I'm doing it. Okay. Maybe if you're taking out the garbage and you sort of let go where of the should or have to and you're just taking out the garbage and then you hey, you notice that you're getting a pretty good workout (laughs) or you feel a little breeze on your cheek gentle breeze or something and you and you feel good being alive uh this is not (laughs) rationalizing necessarily okay trying to make bad things good but just uh well we're always free talking about liberation freedom uh, on one end versus a, attachment and being caught or something. Sometimes we're always looking at the well, what, what what we got caught at, what we got attached to, what the negativity of that aspect. And we don't look at the positiveness of freedom. Whether we and then of course the context is everything. Freedom could be political, religious, um, all kinds of. Uh, situations about freedom and and <laughs> we were talking about this in our late program once and one of the uh, students uh, wrote a report uh, you know uh, on freedom um, and <laughs> I love this but he said oh I I met a, a image flashed through his mind and he said I imagine Reverend Coyle, Mel Gibson, and Braveheart. And there's a scene there right at the you know end when, because <laughs> uh, he was fighting for uh, independence from Great Britain, you know Scotland, and uh, his whole life was that. Okay, William Wallace, and uh, finally he was caught. And he he's going to be executed, and you know execution was always public in those days, 
So he's on a kind of like a little raised platform there, and uh, uh, one of the high officials, okay, British officials, is talking to him, wants to try to get him to admit that, you know, uh, regret what he did and everything. And, of course, there's the hooded executioner there with a big old axe going to behead him. And he's been tortured already. He's kind of out of it. Okay. And uh, wow, this is the, the scene in the movie. Okay. And a uh, large crowd, crowd out there. Some of his were past followers were mixed in this crowd. And, you know, the camera showing everything. And, and then this uh, uh, official saying, come on, you got to say, you know, that you regret what you did and everything or something. And he's tied down to this wooden block and lying there. And then he takes a breath and he yells out, Freedom! You know, that's the scene that this lay uh, minister wrote in his written report about when he was talking about it. And we had a chuckle about that. Um, uh, but he's a real Buddhist that that William Wallace as depicted in this movie Braveheart his whole life he did it a hundred percent you know uh, he, 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 that kind of yelling uh, shout uh, is a shout of freedom uh, and I think we could think about this a lot I think about this a lot in terms of you know when you pause and you take a backward glance at your life or, you know, uh, there's no regrets. Uh, there's no regrets. Uh, there's no sugarcoating. You know, be who you are. Okay. Even in that backward glance, okay, might not be conscious of saying it as a, labeling it as a backward glance. Uh, but to live with that kind of a shout, yeah, shout of Buddha. <laughs> That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep shouting, and you have a beautiful day.